Thanks for downloading this History Hub podcast. History Hub is based at the University College Dublin School of History. For more information, go to historyhub.ie. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and many other podcasting apps. If you enjoy our content, please rate and review our channel, as it helps others to find out about our work. Guy Rofe lectures at the Inter-University Programme of African Studies. This programme is shared by Ben-Gurion University of the Negev, Tel Aviv University, and the Open University. His research interests include pre-colonial history of Africa and the Portuguese presence in Southeast Africa. Recently, as part of the EU's Erasmus Plus Exchange Programme, Dr. Rofe was visiting lecturer in the University College Dublin School of History, where he recorded three podcasts for History Hub. In this third and final podcast, Dr. Rofe discusses the process of decolonization of Portuguese Africa. This podcast deals with the process of decolonization of Portuguese Africa. This process lasted from the revolution in Portugal on April 25, 1974 until the independence of Angola in November 11, 1975. Following the revolution in Portugal, the MFA, the group of mid- and low-rank officers that overthrew the Estado Novo regime, appointed high-ranking officers to compose a junta called the GNS, National Salvation Junta, that would govern Portugal until the restoration of democracy. As interim president, the MFA chose a former commander of the Guinea Front, General Antonio de Spinola. Spinola was dismissed in March 1974 by Marcelo Caetano following the publication of a book called Portugal and the Future, where the general tried to promote the idea that the only possible solution for the colonial war was the discontinuation of the conflict. Spinola had slightly different ideas than the MFA, who were the de facto rulers of Portugal, regarding the ways in which the process of decolonization should be conducted. While the MFA wanted to engage as fast as possible in direct talks with the anti-colonial movement, Spinola had vague ideas regarding the possible creation of a federation between Portugal and its territories. Moreover, While part of the MFA sympathized with the cause of the Marxist anti-colonial movements, Spinola tried to create what he called third-wave parties composed of people that were not involved or were not part of the anti-colonial movements. In addition to the establishment of the junta, a civil government was formed on May 16th, which was the first transitional government. Its ministers belonged to the various political parties banned during the Estado Novo. The most significant parties were the Socialist Party, led by Mario Suárez, and the Communist Party, led by Álvaro Cunial. Both, as opposed to Spinola, also advocated an immediate decolonization and the creation of independent states in Angola, Mozambique, and Guinea. On the other side, were the liberation movements in Angola, Mozambique, and Guinea. These movements realized that the revolution in Portugal was the beginning of the process that will lead to independence. However, it took until October 1974 to reach ceasefire agreements because the movements insisted that prior to the ceasefire there will be a formal declaration by the Portuguese that they intend to grant independence to their territories. 
This situation created a direct conflict between the MFA and the President Spinola, who did not intend to make such a declaration. However, on July 27, 1974, the transitional government, which was headed by Vasco Gonsalves, a member of the MFA, passed a law called 7-74, which recognized the right of self-determination of the peoples in Angola, Mozambique and Guinea. Spinola was left with no choice than to accept this law. This law paved the way for the independence of Guinea-Bissau as a result of Portugal's recognition of the unilateral declaration of independence of Guinea in September 10, 1974. The situation in Mozambique was a bit more complicated because of the issue of the Portuguese settlers. However, Since there was only one significant anti-colonial movement, the Frelimo, the process was less problematic than that of Angola. In September 1974, the Lusaka agreements were signed. This agreement set a date for the transfer of power, which ultimately took place in June 25, 1975. In September 1974, Following the Lusaka agreements, there was a coup attempt performed by part of the Portuguese settlers in Mozambique who took control over the radio club in Lorenzo Marques and broadcasted calls for South Africa and Rhodesia to intervene militarily in Mozambique. This rebellion was quickly suppressed. Following the Lusaka agreements, the Portuguese settlers began to migrate from Mozambique, mainly to South Africa, Rhodesia, Brazil and Australia. The most difficult process of decolonization was that of Angola. The war in Angola in 1974, compared to that in Guinea-Bissau, was not so difficult to manage for the Portuguese army. Life in the main cities during most of the war was more or less undisturbed, as the war was fought mainly in peripheral zones. It should be mentioned that the MFA, but also key members of the transitional government in Portugal, had a clear preference that the MPLA will be the one to inherit power from the Portuguese. One of the most decisive interventions the MFA did in favor of the MPLA was to appoint one of the members of the GNS, the Junta that ruled Portugal, as the president of the governing Junta in Angola. This was Admiral Antonio Rosa Coutinho. Coutinho was a Marxist. He was named the Red Admiral. Moreover, there was very bad blood between him and Olden Roberto's FNLA because during the war he was captured and tortured by the guerrilla of the FNLA and held captive for a few months. Coutinho was openly supportive of the MPLA. On August 1974, the GNS proposed the first draft program for the decolonization of Angola. Spinola proposed a three-year process during which a transitional government will be formed that will include members of the three anti-colonial movements. In the second year, general elections will be held and a constitution will be drafted, which will also define the future relations with Portugal. All the movements opposed this proposal by Spinola, mainly because it did not have a clear target date for independence. Following this situation, quarrels began to arise on this matter between Spinola and the MFA. 
The main quarrel arose following a meeting Spinola had on September 15th, 1974, with Mabutu Sese the president of Zaire, on Sal Island in Cape Verde. Spinola did not inform or receive permission of the MFA to conduct this meeting. In the meeting, Spinola and Mabutu Sese agreed to support Holden Roberto and the FNLA in order to diminish the power of the MPLA. It is most probable that the CIA was also involved in this plan as it desired to prevent Angola from becoming a socialist pro-Soviet country. The situation became even tenser following a declaration by Spinola on September 22nd that the matters in Angola would be from now on under his personal responsibility. For these reasons, but mainly because of an abortive military coup attempt by Spinola's sympathizers on September 28th, 1974, that planned to remove the MFA from power, Spinola was forced to resign and General Costa Gomes was appointed president instead. Spinola will later on attempt another abortive coup on March 11, 1975, after which he will be forced to go into exile. As happened also in Mozambique, on October 2, 1974, a group of Portuguese settlers in Angola called the FRA, the Angola Resistance Front, performed an abortive coup which was easily suppressed by the Portuguese army. Later that month, ceasefire agreements were reached with the FNLA and the MPLA. Ceasefire agreements were also made between the movements, the first was between the UNITA and the FNLA in November, then in December between the UNITA and the MPLA, and in January 1975 between the MPLA and the FNLA. After the ceasefire agreements were signed, a conference was held between January 10th and January 15th, 1975, in Alvor, in southern Portugal, between the Portuguese government and the UNITA, the MPLA, and the FNLA. In the Alvor agreement, signed on January 15th, the parties agreed to hold elections to a new assembly in October 1975. It was agreed that the transitional government consisting of the Portuguese High Commissioner and a Prime Ministerial Council will rule, This council will consist of three representatives, one from each movement. It was also agreed that the military wings of each movement will be integrated into a single national army made up of 24,000 Portuguese soldiers and 8,000 soldiers from the MPLA, the FNLA and the UNITA fighters. It was also agreed that Angola will become an independent state on November 11th, 1975, and that the Portuguese armed forces will remain in Angola until February 1976. However, the most prominent position in the capital belonged to the MPLA, which as mentioned earlier was favored and assisted by Rosa Coutinho, Angola's Portuguese High Commissioner. From the end of February and the beginning of March, serious violent clashes occurred in the streets of Luanda between the MPLA and the FNLA, This will continue until the MPLA managed to expel the FNLA from Luanda in July. The Portuguese were less concerned with these events as they had serious troubles of their own. On March 11, 
1975, there was an abortive coup attempt in Portugal organized by General Spinola. The period between March and November 1975, which almost ended in a Marxist revolution in Portugal, was one of extreme tension. There was a great fear that a civil war in Portugal would erupt. In this situation, Portugal's control of Angola was diminished. Moreover, as the Alvor Agreement collapsed and hostilities resumed between the different movements, it was almost impossible to bring the parties to resume dialogue. The Organization for African Unity tried to mediate between the parties and held a peace conference in Kenya in June 1975, to which the Portuguese were not invited. On June 21st, the three organizations signed an agreement at Nakuru, in which the parties agreed to end the violence and return to the plan agreed at Alvo. However, none of the parties implemented this agreement. Two weeks later, a bloody battle was held in the streets of Luanda, which ultimately led to the expulsion of the FNLA from the city. Holden Roberto, head of the FNLA, accused the Portuguese army of assisting the MPLA and threatened to breach the ceasefire agreement with the Portuguese if they will not stop assisting the MPLA. Following the clashes in the streets of Luanda, in July and August 1975, there was a mass exodus of Portuguese settlers from Angola. Most of them reached to Portugal, although some preferred to immigrate to South Africa, Rhodesia and Brazil. In August and early September, the conflict in Angola began to get an international dimension. The neighboring countries actively supported one party or another. Zaire, former Democratic Republic of Congo, supported the FNLA. In October 1975, the Zairean army forces invaded Angola in order to assist the FNLA. Congo-Brazzaville supported the MPLA, but not significantly. Zambia tried to mediate unsuccessfully between the UNITA and the MPLA. The greatest support by any neighboring country came from South Africa. The apartheid regime in South Africa held Namibia and therefore bordered with Angola. The regime in South Africa feared of the establishment of another Marxist neighboring country after the independence of Mozambique. At the end of October and the beginning of November, the South African Defense Forces launched Operation Savannah, which consisted of a force of 2,000 soldiers that invaded Angola. This force arrived in the first week of November to a distance of a few dozen kilometers from Luanda. In the wider international scene, the United States supported both the South African and the Zairean invasions to Angola. It also supported financially and provided weapons for the FNLA. This aid was done by the CIA, not in a very transparent manner. Direct U.S. funding of the FNLA and the UNITA ended in December 1975 following the Clark Amendment, named after its sponsor, the Democrat Senator Dick Clark. The amendment barred aid to private groups engaged in military or paramilitary operations in Angola. The Clark Amendment was repelled by the U.S. Congress in July 1985 during the Reagan administration. However, during this period, Israel acted as a proxy arms supplier to the FNLA and the UNITA. On the other side, the Soviet Union financed and provided weapons to the MPLA. 
Until November 1975, the Soviet aid to the MPLA was estimated at $200 million. In addition to this, there were 100 Soviet instructors in Angola before the independence. Assistance to the MPLA also came from Cuba. Cuba sent to Angola at first 650 soldiers on the first week of November in order to prevent the South African and Zairean forces from conquering Luanda. This successful operation was called Operation Carlota. The arrival of the Cuban soldiers to Luanda was done in coordination with the Portuguese army. By the end of 1975, there were 25,000 Cuban soldiers in Angola and more or less 4,000 South African soldiers. The independence of Angola was declared on November 11, 1975. Angola's independence was declared in two different places. One declaration took place in Luanda and was done by the MPLA. The second declaration was made in Huambo by Jonas Savimbi and the UNITA. The day before, the Portuguese left Angola. The last Portuguese governor of Angola, Admiral Leonel Cardoso, intentionally did not transfer power to one of the parties, as they did in Guinea and Mozambique, but declared that he is transferring the power to the Angolan people. 